Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Article 23. We are up to episode 52, and this is your podcast all about work. This week, we've got an amazing guest with us. We've got Vicky's neighbor. Now, Vicky is joining us from Chicago in the States. Uh, Vicky has had an amazing progressive career across a range of senior roles, uh, most recently Chief Human Resources Officer for the US region at CIBC, which is uh, the large Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. And prior to that, you've held many roles, Vicky, uh, across performance, continuous improvement, remuneration, transformation at other large companies. You're exceptionally well known for your work uh, with a range of charitable organizations like the Red Cross over here in the States. And I have to add this in because it's just amazing when I had a look at this list online today. Uh, Well-deserved recognition you had in 2019 on the list of most powerful Latinas uh, and also the 2020 Cranes list of notable leaders in HR. So big welcome yeah. to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you Thanks. for being here. <laughs> it's so great to be with you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And joining us as well, we've got Rhonda Brighton-Hall, uh, our CEO at Moi uh, and our co-founder. And I should give a little intro too for you because I was reminiscing on some of the things today. Um, along with Moi, obviously, senior roles across Commonwealth Bank, Luxottica and Sarah Lee, plus the amazing and well-deserved accolades of Telstra Businesswoman of the Year uh, and Ari HR Leader of the Year. And for it's fair to say for both of the people that are with me today, this is just a very short summary of their achievements and their career. They're both absolutely amazing leaders. So welcome, Rhonda. And oh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's so nice personally for me to be here with Vicky because we work together in Chicago and to see her face on the Zoom is like, yeah. <laughs> there are yes, very big <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. So with the two amazing leaders we've got here today, I think we've got to talk about leadership. That's clear. And we could talk a lot about COVID-19, and I'm sure that parts of that will come out today. As we said in the setup here, Vicky, things have changed forever. But I think what we always try and do, and I have no doubts we'll share this, is we want to take a bit of a moment to reflect and a bit of a moment with optimism for the future too. So I think we'll, we'll balance that through. But let's start with the biggest question of them all, and maybe Vicky will start with you, but we'll just keep it flowing. What are some of the biggest le lessons you've learned on what makes a great leader over this amazing career that you've had so far? Yeah, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a wonderful journey and one that I, can, I anticipate will continue. But I think at the heart of it, you can't really love, uh, lead other people unless you genuinely care about them. And I think that when you care about them, it shows in everything that you do. It enables you to help them build the career that they dream about, to help build the organization that you hope you can build, and to get them enthusiastic uh, and encouraged about the future. And I think that's the greatest gift and the, the greatest lesson that I've learned as a leader and one I'll take with me forever. Love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Rhonda? That's such a great love lesson. I, I want to say re three really tiny things. And so when I say your biggest lesson, it actually comes right down to tiny things. But I'd say the first one is that from the first day you accept a leadership role and you've got a couple of people working on your watch, it's a massive opportunity, but it's also a huge accountability to have as positive an impact as you possibly can on them. Mm -hmm. 
second thing is that it's not about you, that it is about the environment you create for them, the space you give other people to do great work together, that that's really important. And the last thing is something that I always think about is if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you probably need to ask more questions because there's always someone in the room who knows stuff you don't know, an idea you've never thought of, a possibility you haven't explored. And, and so if you think like that, who else is in this room? What can we bring to life together? It's a much different mindset than, oh my God, I have to know the answers because you actually don't. Well said, Rhonda. And I must say, as a colleague of yours going back some time ago, that that was one of the things that I always noticed about you is that you always came to the meeting, came to the event, came to the party, whatever it was, with questions, always seeking uh, more learning from others. And I, I completely agree with you that that's a really important tenet of leadership. Mm. And it's funny when you said care about people, that reminds me of working with you because you were this person who knew everybody, liked everybody, everybody liked you, and you could get things done so quickly because you had this amazing network of people who deeply wanted you to be successful. Same. Thank you. There you go, James. I feel like I'm just, uh, you know, uh, sitting, watching a conversation between two friends, and I know that I am, but there you go. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks well, for letting me host. You're my new friend. <laughs> Thank you. So, so some amazing lessons there, um, great pieces of information for people to take forward. Do you think any of that might change in light of this whole COVID-19 situation? Will it change how we've led in the past? Or do you think good leaders yeah. will remain good leaders? <laughs> you know, we can take some important lessons from this very challenging time. And I think one of the things that, I've, that I am confident that we'll take forward with us is that we will um, be open to seeing more humanity in other people and ourselves. I think that that's really important. I've loved some of the TV shows where you have commentators and the dog walks by or the cat lands on their desks <laughs> or things like that. Because sometimes I think we just forget that, you know, that we're people. Um, you know, we talked a little bit um, prior to the call about just the nature of work will change. Uh, people working at home, I think we were so resistant, especially in financial services, for actually enabling that work to happen. And now that we all of a sudden had to um, quickly uh, figure out how are we going to fund the access that we need in order to make it happen well? How are we going to actually pay attention to every single thing that people do during the day? Uh, those kinds of things. And I think we've learned, gosh, you know, it's really not about those things. It's about quality delivery of, of work. Um, and it's about seeing each other as human beings. So I think that that's going to be something that we're going to build upon. And I'm really excited about that. I worry about um, the one thing I, I think that we've learned and I, and I want us to continue to pay attention to is this whole concept of, of wellness. I think that that's going to take a whole life of its own as it should. Um, it's been building over the last, you know, several years, but I think that paying attention to wellness is so important, particularly mental, mental wellness. I think mental health is, is a critical focus for us. I think that this crisis has given us an opportunity to really see that and see how people are suffering. Um, I'm an introvert, so working at home to me is great, uh, but I have <laughs> Ron, <laughs> so it, you know, for, for 
you know, our different styles, having a good appreciation of those things, I think uh, it has put a, a spotlight on those things and a lot of good will come of it. And Vicky, I, like our regular listeners will know that quite often Rhonda and I make jokes about us both being a little bit towards the extroverted side. So for us, you know, seeing each other's face uh, over Zoom is like the best part of the day where we jump out of our chair and it's very distracting, but, um, <laughs> but we're very happy with it <laughs> nonetheless. Yes. <laughs> True. Anything um, else to add in there, Rhonda? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's interesting. I think we've got this, as Vicky rightly mentioned, we've got this intimacy now that we're not just seeing people with whatever facade of suits and uniforms or whatever they wear and their office building and how nice it is, but we're actually seeing into their lounge room or their backyard or their dog or their kid or how badly they're homeschooling or whatever it happens to be. And there's a huge vulnerability in that intimacy. And it's actually very lovely. Like it's a really deep humanity that you get to see. I mean, I just looked behind my head just now. I just noticed I've got a Mario hat there, which is... <laughs> <laughs> We don't ask too many questions about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that, it is that um, intimacy. But the other piece that I'm more concerned about, it does go to Vicky's point about wellness, is I think there's a level of anxiety. I think there is going to be obviously a physical anxiety about something scary that we can't see, a virus. Um, but there's also an emotional one. I think, you know, it's really interesting we're starting now in Australia to talk about going back and people are, oh, I... Uh, are we safe to go back? People are quite nervous. I don't want to catch the train. I don't want to catch a bus, you know. And and so that's we've got to work out a way to to cure, soothe, calm that anxiety of us being together because we are fundamentally social beings. And if we can't be together comfortably and confidently, that's going to be massively damaging to us all. Right, right. It's even getting a little much for the in, for the introverts. <laughs> Well, that's scary. James and I on day two were going, when can we get back? Yeah, we, we had our suspicions as experts. <laughs> now, I think all the points there again were amazing. A couple of things that I would bring up were deep humanity and that kind of deep vulnerability. And I think the question that I had for both of you next, given your personal lived experiences and also the work that you've done and, you know, the amazing inroads you've made on diversity and inclusion, both of you, um, I think both deep humanity and also deep vulnerability are really important in diversity and inclusion. Do you think that COVID-19 will have an impact on DNI? Do you think it'll speed us up, maybe slow us down? What do you think the impacts might be? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think the answer when I was, you know, as I think about it, I think the answer is both yes and no. <laughs> so, yeah. The, you know, I think obviously uh, talent acquisition has come to a screeching halt and that was really building our bench and things like that, bringing talent into the organization. But at least as it relates to uh, the U.S., I will say that I think that we haven't made the progress um, that we have articulated that, that's so important to us and that we desire. We haven't made any progress in years. We, um, we we've been able to, uh, you know, I think, 
craft uh, great policies and strategies, and those are important. And we certainly have made effort, but if you look at, I'll talk about financial services in particular, financial services, the diversity and inclusion, uh, diversity in particular in that space hasn't really changed in over 15 years. Uh, we've gotten great at recruiting, um, and this isn't gonna necessarily change that. Um, what I do think uh, will help us is that, um, you know, well, just statistically, you know, about a, women are about a third of our senior management positions globally. That's true. About 6% of the S&P 500 have women CEOs. Hasn't changed much. About a third of the Fortune 500 have seats that um, belong to, to women and people of color. So, you know, not a lot of progress. So what I think will change is that I think that um, because of this crisis, people have a time to reflect. I think all of us can legitimately say we've done a lot of reflecting about what's important to us. How do I want to show up at work? Is my current working situation okay with me? And if it's not, I think we're willing to make, we'll be more willing to make changes and employers have to be really aware of that. The millennials and Gen Z, they've figured out really creative ways to, to make money. I'm it's so inspired by you know, these people who are on, on uh, YouTube and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars based upon their creative videos and having an audience and a following. So if employers truly want to stay competitive, we've got to get better at having a truly diverse uh, and inclusive workforce and stop talking about it. We've got to start doing something about it. Nice. <laughs> um, if I can, if I can just, I think I'm just going to drown in agreement, but I, I think there is positives and negatives for diversity at the moment. What we've seen in Australia, and obviously we've been looking at it around the world as now as well, we're seeing an increase in racism. And for those yes. of us like in Australia who are literally sitting um, in Asia, we're in Asia pack, um, this mm -hmm. is very confronting. And in our own team, we had a person experience that racism firsthand on their way to work. And it's very confronting and it does derail not just the person, it derails the whole team. We sort of, mm -hmm. oh my God, that's your experience of getting here today. That's just bizarre. And it was bizarre behavior that would be totally unacceptable with any sane lens. Like it's just not only illegal racism, but it's awful, like really awful. And we were very confronted by that. So I think we've got some work to do in that to really think what that means. We, can't, we, we, when we're under attack, we sort of look, who's the other person that's not like me that caused me to be under attack, but it's actually not the other person. It's the entire human race. And, and so we need to think very differently about that. Um, and the other side of it on the flip side, um, I think it will be a massive step forward for people who've got either disability or mental health issues mm -hmm. in terms of getting to work. Because in the past, if you had profound cerebral palsy and getting to the office takes you two hours in a special cab with carers, you know, going to the office is not feasible. You've got a four hour trip, you know? Um, and so what's happened now, we've said, and actually you can do your work really well from your bedroom or your lounge room or your dining room. And do we really care? Like, you know, so you know, over, here, over here, we have this idea that it's 1% of your workforce pledge should always be someone with um, profound disability. And I think that that will, should be a very, very easy thing for us all to do now. We've just proven you can do your work from anywhere. Um, and the other side is anxiety. When people say the very, you know, there are days when getting up and getting to my office or whatever it happens to be is so tough for a person. 
And now we're saying, well, on those days, don't come. It's okay. Like, we'll just see your face on Zoom. You can suck yourself up for that meeting. The rest of the day, go for your life. And I think that there'll be um, a kindness about that now because we realize that it's not a big deal at all. It's actually the world's smallest thing. You're so right. I hope so. Love the conversation there. Um, do you have any specific ideas? And it's, it's tricky because obviously there's still a lot of uncertainty, unknowns, depending on which state of the US you're in, for example, there's different easing of some of the restrictions that have been in place. That's very similar back in Australia in some ways too. Um, are there any little bite-sized things that leaders could do right now if they're thinking about diversity and inclusion? You know, talk to your people. And it, that's not just as a result of COVID. It's a pretty simple thing, but talk to your people and don't just ask leading questions. Genuinely, it starts with caring. Do you really care about them? Presuming that you do, then you should know something about what's going on in their everyday life. How are you doing? Uh, is there anything that I can do to help you? Um, anything disturbing that you're dealing with that, you know, you need some extra support, things like that. I think that's the most important thing that we can give to each other, um, both at work, at home, in life. Um, have genuine conversations. Pretty simple and yet difficult. <laughs> I, I think I think talking to your team is an awesome place to start and not with one of those check box check-ins you know what did you eat for dinner let's have a recipe day on zoom that not, not like that that's fun but that's not, you know what you're talking about Vicky I completely agree with is that deep conversation where you're literally just one-on-one -on -one with the person going how's it going and yeah you know, and, and I think the other thing I'd love to see leaders do is reflect on what we're all learning right now, not just their own, because we've all had experiences. Of, okay, so just working remotely, working without faces around us, not seeing people physically, not being able to hug people, all that sort of jazz is gone for a while. What did we learn from that? Like, does it make a difference? Does the physicality of actually being in a room with people, is it important to us? And equally, what are the lessons of your team, which goes back to Vicky's point about having a conversation. What are they learning? What's their new mindset? What's their new ideas? What, what's their thoughts on this going, wow, I didn't realize this, or I just found out that, or I found out that I can work this way and I'm very productive like that. So sort of being open to other people's lessons as well as spending some time on your own. I think there's a real opportunity to do that. Oh, you're so right. And just also, I'm really curious about you know, this time of reflection as they were reflecting, because I'm maybe I'm making a leap here, but I do think most of us have had some time to really think about, gosh, am I really doing what I want to do? Um, it, checking in and seeing, you know, did you have reflection? And if you did, what were the things that came up for you and how can I help? Mm. And what are your fears? Like, that's another one. What are you, what yeah. are you afraid of? You know, how can we talk that through? Absolutely. And, you know, Brene Brown has done some really amazing work on vulnerability. And I think she gives a lot of great guidance about, you know, how do you have those kinds of conversations? And I love the concept of putting down your armor, being willing to put down your armor. Um, I, I worked with a young woman previously, and she came to every conversation with boxing gloves on. And she was always, she was always confused why everybody, every conversation she was in, people had boxing gloves on. <laughs> 
I think that that's sort of a, an easy way to, to think about it is, you know, let, if you let your guard down and you as a leader are willing to be vulnerable with your team, um, they'll, they'll return the favor. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Love the advice. Thank you, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much I can add. Even I'll just ask another question. No, I'll try. There's lots <laughs> we can add. We'll have to do one where James gets to talk. No, no, no. Not. I know, I want to come up with some questions for James. Yeah, we'll do a flip. Vicky and Rhonda ask James questions. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast, everyone. Thank you, no. Um, and any final thoughts either of you'd like to add in? We've been pretty short and sharp on some big topics, but... Anything you'd like to add in? Otherwise, I've got a last question for Vicky. So, uh oh, great. Well, you know, the only thing I would say is that I think that it's important um, that to remember that life is short, and I've been working for over four decades, and it's hard to imagine how long that is. It went by really quickly, but life is so short and so precious that all of us should be doing the things that we love doing. And if you're not doing what you love to do, find it because you owe that to the world and to yourself um, to find why you were put on this planet. Um, there's nobody else like you and uh, it's important to, to bring that to life and now is as good a time as any to get going on it. That's great advice. That's great advice. And the, if I could add my last thought, I think that in every sort of moment in history, we get a moment to say what's great, what's not, and what can we toss and what can we keep and what do we want to start again? And, mm -hmm. and this is a moment where for the first time, maybe ever, the whole world is in it. It is really just one of those things. It's not just my company or my team or my country, mm -hmm. but it's actually the whole world. And what do we want to take from it? And that's our opportunity. And it's to look at what we loved from the past that we want to keep what we need to move forward. James and I have been referring to it as co-curating a future and I think it's the right way to go. Sort of curating yeah, what we want to see to go forward and learning some new things as well. Taking mm -hmm. a step change maybe. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> we do too. <laughs> so your last question, James, I'm excited. Well, for <laughs> it, it might be a question or a little, just a little bit of an advertisement maybe is a better way to put it is uh, Vicky, um, obviously you co-create a lot of amazing uh, change in the workplace. I'm going to take it that writing is something that means you'd be doing more of what you love. Um, can you tell us a little bit about a book you might be writing now? Maybe what it's sure. about? <laughs> sure, absolutely. And first I'd like to do, before I go into that, I'd like to acknowledge just all the colleagues I've had over my long career. I have learned so much from so many people that I've worked with that I could never repay um, and adequately show my gratitude. So I just want to say that. Um, as I, writing, absolutely, I feel that words are so important and self-reflection is really important. And so I am in the process of writing a book and I'm excited about it. I don't have a title yet, um, mm -hmm. but what I'm hoping to do is really convey um, the sense of what does it mean to bring your authentic self to work. What have I learned about that? What are some of the pieces of advice that I would give to people who are younger in their career? Um, why is it important? Um, one thing that I've learned is that there really is no pure definition of authenticity. And so I've been embarking upon uh, research in that regard. And 
Um, I'm hoping that what I can do is at least share what I've learned, um, share what I hope to learn, and positively impact others' careers. Because really, as I think about my own purpose in life, that's why I'm here. And if I can bring that to life in one more medium, that's what I want to do. I'll wait to read it. (laughs) Thank you. Ditto. Big ditto. Can't (laughs) wait to read it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. And a big moi from us is how we end. I feel like we should do it together with a big moi. Well, (laughs) absolutely. And I'm so excited about the work that you're doing and wish you continued success. And uh, I can't wait to see what's next in your curation. (laughs) Thank you. Big moi from us. Thanks for having us, James. Moi. Thank you.